Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Main Street Universe. My name is Daniel Michael. I'm the founder and co-creator of the Main Street Universe Radio Network, and I'm here with my associate producer, Janice R. White. Welcome, Janice. Welcome, everybody. And tonight we're going to talk about the value of blessings as our guest, and other things as well, as our guest did do a blessing for the Democrat National Committee, the DNC. And I wanted to start off with an actual brief session, and then we'll get to the show. So what I wanted to do is talk about perhaps what I personally think, and Janice can either agree or disagree, is one of the most effective things that a person can do to help themselves is to help others, meaning the giving of a blessing. And I'll share one technique that's incredibly, people will probably criticize me in the witchcraft world of being fluffy for this technique, but I, it's, it's actually one I've used very effectively. And then look for a phone call and see if someone says, hey, you know, I just got a new client or something like that. It's very simple. It would start with being in a meditative state, we might not go through it in real time. I'll just explain to you. Then I picture, though different traditions might picture different colors of light, I picture a pink ball. I actually got this from my Rosicrucian days. I was once a member of the Rosicrucian order at Mark. You start with a pink ball of light around your heart center, your heart chakra, and then imagine it growing, 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 and glowing until your entire body is shining, your entire body is basically pink light. You're a light being at that point. Maybe even you don't even look physical in your head. This is in a meditation or in a image. Remember the word magic. One of its offshoot words is image or imagine. So uh, in Hebrew, I believe. Anyway, so it grows into pink light that surrounds your whole body, you are now a being of pink light. Then you picture the person that you care about, the person you want to send the blessing to through a tube of light, if you will, or a beam of light to the person, a connection. Then picture them surrounded by the same pink light. And then just sit back for a minute and imagine a time when you truly enjoyed that person when you truly enjoyed them in whatever way it is, whether it's a friend, parent, child, lover, whatever the case is, when you just truly just felt joy for them, and then keep that image, be thankful for the image, and when it's over, and literally be emotional about this. You have to get your emotions involved, like, you know, at risk of sounding a little corny for a man, you'd be, be say, saying, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so thankful you're here. And then send all of the pink light energy that was in you in through that tube, in through that beam of light into them. And it leaves you. It goes into them. It's not an intention, so it's a little bit different than, say, a spell, quote, unquote. There's no intention. You're not wishing them something specific. You're just wishing them continued blessings, continued joy, continued everything you loved about them in the first place and loved about being around them in the first place. So, and I I swear I've done this incredibly simple technique that I learned years ago in a little Rosicrucian book, I think it was, and I, people will call me back and be like, hey, I just got two new clients, or, or, or they'll say something else. You're not intending something upon them. It's not the Alistair Crowley, um, love is all under will, you're not willing something. You're just sending the incredible positive. Positive vibration. Yeah, and doing so in a very visual way. We weren't doing it in real time. It would be a longer process if if that was the case. So my whole point being is that we're going to talk about the value of blessings, the value of blessing someone else, and how that can serve you potentially not maybe egotistically, but, but potentially, or maybe egotistically if it works out. So our guest did do a blessing for the, as we mentioned, the Democrat 
uh, National Convention. Convention. And we'll be back in a few minutes. It's Main Street Universe, the show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Daniel Michael, Janice R. White. We'll be back with you. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. that I belong to. He is one of three elders, um, and we belong to the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel. And I am High Priestess of Tenders of the Earth Temple, which is the ninth coven in that Assembly of the Sacred Wheel. Yes, very good. I, I bought your bio here, but you, but you can tell everybody about yourself just as equally as I can. 
and um, I know I know you for a long time, a uh, very long time. I know your husband too, uh, a little bit longer, maybe a year longer than I've known you, and I know evil God. I don't know, maybe 24, 25 years, uh, you yeah. know, when we were both young and skinny. No. <laughs> so, um, but yes, welcome. Welcome to the program. And um, I wanted to also um, talk about that I was really thrilled when I read in Wild Hunt that you had done this um, prayer circle at the Democratic National Convention, which I saw the the whole thing of it and even taped some of the things. So I was wondering how you actually uh, was chosen to do that. Well, I was in the right place at the right time. At the right time. (laughs) All Um, right. In my mundane life, I work for a church in locally where I live, and it's one of the more progressive churches in the region. And we got a call from the lovely Vinette Lamogo Johnson, who was looking for individuals to participate in the various prayer circles that were happening throughout the DNC. And there was one plan for every morning at the DNC. Now, I should put in here that the prayer circles were organized not through the DNC itself, but through the DNC Action Committee, which was actually um, a group of, it's a coalition that was offering uh, assistance to organizers and visitors that were taking actions and protesting at the DNC. And because they decided that there was not a true interfaith service, um, it ended up on the net to organize the service for everybody. Hmm. Okay. Because so I know I noticed. Call- oh, go ahead. So basically, they called my church looking for ministers that would speak at, at least one morning of the prayer circle, and they said, it's interfaith. And I said, great. And I asked how interfaith is interfaith. And uh, to my surprise, it was really, really interfaith. There were members of the Standard Methodists, Baptists, um, Quakers. There was myself. There was a member of the Fulon Dafa, who you might also know as Fulon Gong, and um, Nirishi Shen Buddhist. So it was Ooh, a very eclectic wow. group of individuals that were participating in this. And I think it was more eclectic because it was through the action committee than through the actual DNC itself. Ah, yes. It did, it did seem like when I had read it, uh, a group of uh, eclectic uh, clergy so, um, can you remember what you said? Um, I was smart enough to actually write it down so I would be oh. able to <laughs> That's such a good thing. Well, and, and since we were talking about blessings, I was more inclined to think about intent than a blessing when I did this. And what my intent was is to remind the delegates and individuals that were representing us where our democracy originates. So Mm. I wanted them to think back on a egregore that the founders created when they started our country. And I also wanted to call in um, Athena as the polis because she was all about civic duty, the state and protection of the state. So when I tried to piece together my prayer or blessing for the event, I tried to take those things into mind. So when I originally called, and I will give you that now, 
I said, I call on Athena of the Polis, Lady Protector of the City and State, guide the delegates and leaders here and remind them and let them remember that their civic duty to us as a people and a nation is to do what is best for the whole of the nation and not an elite few. Remind them that civic... Yes, I love that. So more to be. (laughs) Remind them that civil and respectful discourse is what we need most now. And let them know that passionate speech needs to be tempered and honed until agreement can be reached. That was the first half of the, my, my prayer. And the second half of the prayer, I called the Columbia, who basically our forefathers called upon as an egregore when they created the nation. Um, so I called to Columbia, who was frequently invoked by the founders, remind those that represent us that the concepts of liberty and freedom are not achieved by placing others at a disadvantage, but only by working together towards our mutual good can we truly be free. And then ended it with so multi be. Oh, so mode be. Oh, excellent. Love it. Now, we live in D.C. here, uh, northern Virginia area. And, of course, when you travel around the city, of course, you see pagan statues, pagan everything. Uh, Selena Fox has, has discussed this before. I think she was on our show one time discussing it a little bit. The nature of so many of our founding symbols and buildings being pagan, of course, I I view or Masonic. Poor Masonic. That's kind of was my other point. I okay. view the founding fathers more as like uh, mystics, maybe that would borrow from whatever. I refer to myself as a pagan mystic. Uh, I don't usually use the word witch or whatever, but the, not that much difference. <laughs> Those are all just. Titles. The pagan world is full of titles, full of labels. Anyway, my whole point is I think what you were doing, Karen, is sort of a return because I think this nation was started in a way on kind of a pagan symbolic blessings. Anyway, and I'm curious how you were received. When you were finished, how how do you think you were received when you were done the blessing? Well, throughout my prayer, one of the Quaker ladies sat there with her hands crossed on her heart, just with her eyes closed, and she was listening and taking it all in. And that was the physical representation that really spoke to me as to what was going on within the small circle that had gathered. Uh, Everybody listened intently to what I had to say and was very respectful of what I had to say which really warmed the cockles of my heart to no end because, you know, we all know what a, um, I'm trying to think of a nice word, Um, (laughs) how much upheaval is within our society and discourse is not necessarily the same. So I I guess I was actually heard by the individuals who were there and they took what I said to heart. Which is very good, wonderful, actually. Yes. And as I've always said, um, in my first teacher always said, uh, regardless of where it comes from, never turn down a blessing. (laughs) I so agree. If someone wants me to say praise Allah and they've given me a blessing, I'm doing it. If they want me to say (laughs) um, thank you, Jesus, I will do that as well if it's a blessing. So I always believe that. A blessing is a positive and not willful energy. It's more based on you're just sending positive energy, which was sort of what we are mentioning in the opener. Yes. Correct. Correct. So um, did you stay and see other parts of the Democratic National Convention? And if so, what was the energy there? 
Well, from where I was in that morning, it was wonderful and awesome. I actually did not go anywhere near the action. I was at the opposite end of the city and was quite happy about that Um, just because of crowds and things, and I'm not into crowds. But for the most part, I think that the convention here in the city went very well, and the remnants that were left behind are, are... I think still echoing throughout the city. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very positive energy uh, throughout the entire event that I think everybody enjoyed. Yes, because that's how I felt looking at it on TV. Because I was going to ask you, did you actually get to meet uh, President Obama or, or see him? But you were just said that you didn't go close enough to the convention. Uh, but watching it on TV, uh, I thought there was a, a really good air of respect for other people, respect for other religions, um, respect for the city of Philadelphia, which I love. Um, just a very positive energy force where, you know, I I don't want to get into too much of the um, Republican National Convention, but the energy there, because I did actually see a couple um, of their different shows or whatnot, was a totally different energy from the Republican side to the Democratic side. And um, do you have any thoughts? Far more joy. There was far more joy with what was happening here in Philadelphia than what was happening in Chicago or Cleveland. Um, So I agree with you completely on that. The Um, interesting thing about that fascinated me about, and again, our show's not a political talk show, folks, but we are talking about that you spoke at a political convention. And again, we're not. We're pretty fearless here. We we can talk about whatever we, we want. Can but, talk about whatever we want. Actually, but, but my whole point being, and I'm not preaching about anything. When I saw the Republican convention, it was fear, 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 fear. Uh, especially that ending speech. Strangely enough, Donald Trump's daughter. Um, I don't remember which one. The the blonde haired girl. Ivanka. She Ivanka. actually gave a very nice little like. Is she, I'm like, is she talking about the same guy? <laughs> She gave this speech that was far superior. He came out like ruined. <laughs> he went into this like discordian, dystopian. He came out like a lunatic, actually. Yeah. You know, what else is new? And uh, I just can't imagine being united in my, I won't say elder years because I still feel young. I'm only 45. But, uh, uh But I'm like, I just can't imagine being united by that. This You're still scared of everything. It seems so immature and so fake, in a way. To me, fake is what I call it because they're, they're playing on something. They're playing on people's fears. Anyway, but back back around again. Um, so you said you, you had pretty good responses to your um, blessing. And I'm also wondering, do you um, – I wonder about – the value of if you bless something that you don't agree with. Now, I'm I'm saying something kind of odd here. I know it's a strange question. Now, I'm guessing that maybe you're voting Democrat. If you're not, that's fine. Um, So I'm curious if you felt at any time there was something there or an energy there you didn't agree with, but you just put the blessing out there anyway. No, actually, um, all the energy was really, really positive, um, and it was it was really a wonderful experience because you had in the group that I was with some really heavy duty heavy hitters from that I would call JCI from from mainstream religion, and right. you had a group of us that were, you know, Buddhists, Falun Gong or Falun Dafa. Um, and Wiccan and Quakers, who who you can consider Christian or not, depending on how that goes. But I think oh, for I the most the part, it, 
it was a very progressive moment. Um, and I have to say, and part of it's because where I'm coming from. I mean, the section of Philadelphia I live in is northwest Philadelphia. Northwest Philadelphia in Mount, the Mount area section where I am is the oldest integrated neighborhood in the nation. Okay. Oh. It has the original, you know, people of mixed race marriages coming here. You have a heavy duty influence of suffragettes here. Um, there is a large neighborhood here. So you have a very large progressive neighborhood where I'm located to begin with. Okay. And every just is it's it's the Mount Airy section of Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Um, so it, it, it's got a lot of progressive history steeped into what's going on here. And then you add in there are I don't know how many Dianic Covens, independent practitioners on top of that level here. And you have the very progressive clergy that's located up here. And you really actually have a very positive environment to work any kind of magic, Christian, pagan, whatever. Right. And And the reason I I asked um, was because I know, you know, in the world and as I've done what I've done, I know a lot of pagans. And I know a lot of them, not all of them, tend to be slightly more liberal, but a lot of them tend to be independent liberals. And not for Hillary. So I was curious. I, I was a little bit curious. Where you don't don't take this the wrong way. Were you blessing a candidate that you're not sure would have been your first choice? Or but that's okay. So a blessing is okay because uh, it's going to be against Trump. And that was sort of the nature of why I asked that in, in the first right. place. And and for me, it's more about the policy than the people. Right. So. We'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. I, I am. I am anyone but Trump. But for me, it's more about policies than individuals. And I am still one of the few people. I will honestly admit that I split my ticket wide, deep, and often. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I do too. It's it's more about. I always. I often say I am an issue to issue person. I don't have necessarily what you might call an ideology. And if I had one. It would be too odd to place, but but I, I'm kind of issue to issue, you know. I a bit with uh, uh, one on one and the other on the other, depending on the issue. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that's what I think is wrong today. And that's my next question to you: is what do you think about so much of this polarization? And and not that you have all the answers, but maybe what is your opinion on? getting through the polarization and getting through the idea that there's one right way and one wrong way. And that's kind of hard at this point. We've had this period of time for the last 20, 30 years where we have gone from the ability to hear each other respectfully and respectfully disagree with them it's like, oh, I'm taking all my toys and going home. Yes, yes. I I really have my own personal issues with that. I I try and look at the macro of any situation rather than the micro of the situation. So I I really have a difficult time when when somebody says, "I'm, I'm sorry, no, I just and yells at me because they don't agree with me. There's, there's, there's no discourse there because unless you can back up what you're saying with facts, please don't talk to me about it. Right. I so agree. I am, I, oh, go ahead, please. I was also curious, did or if anyone in your family reacted to this, did they, anyone disagree to where you were going? Because, like, for me, I come from a very structured Baptist Republican family, which means I'm pagan and liberal and everything else. So I, I'm just curious if you had any 
action and or reaction from a family perspective. Uh, congratulations and or the other. Well, well, my partner Bob's been very, very you know supportive of what I've done. Um, my siblings are and I are all very active politically. Whether we agree with each other's politics or not, that's another story. But we're always very supportive of each other when we do stuff. So, you know, yay, I may not agree with you, but as long as I can support my point of view, they really don't care. Um, everybody in my family, since I can remember, my father was like a Republican, my mother was a Democrat. My sister and her husband are Republican and Democrat. My brother and his wife are Republican and Democrat. And for the most part, we've all split our vote. Um, so we basically try and cancel each other out. And and most of the time in our family, we're very similar. You know, I usually came from an independent uh, perspective, but depending on where I was, we you, we could usually, depending on which side of the family, and I'm whispering just to you and the millions of listeners out there. Millions <laughs> of listeners out there. <laughs> but just playing. But um, we could usually do it without too much anger. But I then there was a point where like certain things would come up and it, it would have to stop. You know, at the you know Christmas dinner or whatever, it, it, would, it would at some point it would have to stop. But usually, because when I was growing up, I was taught that being politically active was part of becoming a person, a citizen, a yeah. a, uh, a very much. My father was a union activist in the Democrat Party. Now then he became a Rush Limbaugh Republican as he became older and and all of that, but. As so many people did, they fell prey to the to the right wing uh, talk show revolution. And but we could eh, even now, you know, we can discuss things and not get too angry. It, it, it just depends on what issue and at what time and maybe who's there and depending on which other relative is there. But anyway, but I think that's a good comment. What you're saying, we do have to balance and understand that people are coming from different positions and they're not I don't have everybody's got to be like me syndrome I don't have I don't that syndrome but a lot of people do <laughs> a lot of people do I think, I think it depends my, what we're talking about yeah and but anyway go ahead and Janice has a question okay so um, what what has been the response um, I know that Carla Schultz had uh, wrote up wrote it up on um, Wild Hunt, which is how I found out about it. But what is your response afterwards? And what is Evo's response? Because I'm kind of curious about that as well. I have had nothing but support from individuals within the assembly about what I did. Because I stood up as an individual, not as a representative of the assembly. Um, ah, we okay. all have that 501c3 issue where, you know, you know, you cannot from the pulpit endorse. Yes. So yes. I have had nothing but positive responses from within leadership and my peers and, and the other members of the assembly about standing up and doing this. And I'm also well, you know, I said, you know, you know, go, go, Karen, go. And I did this after I read it and got it on Facebook. And that's when the idea had hit in my head and like, oh, okay, we got to invite Karen to the show. And, and you know, um, there's things going on in my life, but I still wanted you to, you know, come and, and share about it. Now, well, we're I'm, talking I'm tonight. Go ahead. Oh, uh, we're talking about uh, the value of blessings, and I feel that your invitation to be a part of this prayer circle or blessing circle was definitely a blessing to you. So can you talk about the value of blessings, sorry, in your life right now? Not just the prayer circle, but your overall life. My overall life right now, I'm very thankful for air conditioning with the heat waves that we've been having. How's that? <laughs> so am I. I so am I. My first world <laughs> very much so. Um, so um. it's it's being a member of leadership. It's kind of hard 
for me myself to say, I just enjoy so many blessings because it's like, I think it's more important for me at this point, yeah, I have to take care of myself, but I'd rather make sure the individuals around me are supported in the ways they need to be. And that's the biggest blessing I can think of that I can give anybody. Um, oh, I so agree because I know that um, um, personally in my life, my, my sister's been ill, and um, I definitely put that on Facebook, but I'm also pretty aware that she doesn't really want to be on Facebook. So uh, <laughs> she's old school. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's older than me. Um, I'm the baby girl, so. Uh, but I also felt it was a blessing that I went to see her, and you know, hang out with her, and because uh, she's, as I said, the only sister that I have left. So it was a blessing to me to to do that. And and I look at doing service as a blessing. Yeah. So one one of the things that I do, not just as being a high priestess, but have done in the past, I'm a trained fire tender for sweat lodge. So I oh, I love sweat lodges. I have been the person that's carried those rocks to the lodge, brought them to the water pour, and it's been my duty to watch the energy of those rocks and take care of them and nurture them so that the individuals in that lodge can get the most benefit as possible from that lodge. Um, So to me, blessing is service, and that's one of the services that I have done in the past. I I kind of stepped back from that role because, you know, running the covenant at this point is a little more labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I haven't done a sweat with the assembly in a long time. Oh, but I'm definitely should. a sweat hog. So we're gonna go we ahead should. and we should. We start back up in September, October. Oh, okay. Oh. We're gonna go ahead and take a brief break. Um we won't be too long. We'll take a little break. Okay. Everybody will you know, use the bathroom and breathe in deeply and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and we will be back in just a moment. We're talking to Karen Bruin about value of blessing. She gave a blessing for the Democratic National uh, Convention. And this is a song by a band very near and dear to my heart because it's my band. <laughs> it's Dragon's Head, and this one is called The Lake, and we'll be right back. We'll be
if I'm out there telling people why not to vote for this or vote for that. It doesn't mean I'm discouraging political activism. I encourage it always. I'm just saying, but there are times when I think it's best that we quiet ourselves a little bit and just, uh, now this is my personal journey, and, and just like, she, like Janice said, just breathe and, and become more spiritual. So I, I, I think it's important for the individual to go out and do what they believe is right, which is why when I saw the opportunity to give the blessing at the DNC action, that I did it. This also is the reason why I frequently write letters to my various congressmen, etc. It's yeah. why the way I comport myself when I'm in public. Uh, it's, it's a variety of things that are all tied together, and it's all about me being true to myself and what I stand up for. Um, an example is several years ago, um, during a heat wave like we're having now, I, I live in a section of Philly where everybody knows everybody else's business. And uh, we found out that one of our neighbors had not been heard from in a while, and she was an elderly person. And everybody's like, oh, we should call the police, and we should do that. And it's like, yeah, we should call the police, and they called the police, and nothing happened. So I was the one that broke into the neighbor's home to find the neighbor and then call the fire department from there and say, woman down. It's right. right. It's, it's, it's all about, you know, individuals taking what fills them up from inside and taking it out into the world and making it manifest in ways that are appropriate and proper. And that's a good example of the way I did that, as is the way I went out and after the blessing at the DNC. If more people would take independent action by following their heart, I think we would be in a far better place than we are at the moment. I so agree with that. I agree completely because, you know, I've been going through a major transformation myself recently just on a personal level, and it all starts from within. So if we convince everybody that they are powerful beings instead of either being, of course, they might actually be victims, but, but to get out of that status, and to just know that they know their power and that, that they have a, a place to help and can even contribute or help if if they happen to be in that place, like you said, like you went into the house and, and took care of that, then I think that is such a more powerful message. But again, I also want to always guard, this is my own personal opinion, against being so individualistic to think that we don't have a place to to involve everyone and involve and involve each other. So yes, it has to start from within, go without and and, and help each other. Versus, There's always a place at the table for everybody. There is. Like the rugged individualism is one of my favorite you might recognize this Karen uh mystics is uh, Manly P. Hall. I love his lectures. Uh, I'm not saying I agree with all aspects of them, but I love his lectures. And I, one of my favorite quotes by him when he said, rugged individualism quickly becomes a ragged individualism. So what we have to do is remember, yes, we're individuals and we have power and we're free to make these decisions, like the great decision you made to do that, but to still remember that we're connected mm-hmm. and that we're not all by ourselves. And I think that's one of the joys that we can derive from, or at least I derive from working within groups. I mean, I, I'm, an, I'm not just the leader of a coven. I am a member of that coven. That coven belongs to a larger group, which is the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel. And when we get together and work as a unified whole, we can create massive, wonderful change on not just a mundane level, but a spiritual level as well. Yes, very much so. And you remind me of the story 
when you said how covens can make a difference <laughs> of that story of World War Two, where a coven of witches actually stopped uh, Hitler from. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with this, but uh, yep. uh, from crossing that bridge, and that's the, that's the thing they kept saying. I think they said actually three people died in that uh, ritual or died shortly thereafter. They spent so much energy. They literally kept saying, you will not cross that bridge. You will not cross that bridge. Uh, you will not go there. Uh, it was a group. I think actually Gerald Gardner was one of the folks there at that thing. I, and I think Dion Fortune may have been involved with that as well. There, and there, there are so many versions of that story. I'm not sure exactly who was involved in that <laughs> actual action, but I am familiar with the story. But it's still a great story. I mean, it really is. <laughs> who knows how much truth is in the whole thing? But it is also important to remember that um, Adolf Hitler himself. Uh, being a student of the occult, maybe he just simply heard about it and said, okay, maybe I'm just not going to go there because he actually kind of did believe in the powers of the universe. So who knows? I mean, it, it could go like a thousand different directions. But the point is, was the commitment is what I find interesting and the belief that you can make a difference by throwing your energy into that commitment to me makes it an interesting story. For some of that, that also for me may be a reflection of a variety of roles that I have within the assembly. Um, I'm not just a high priestess. I'm also one of the leaders of the group that's tasked with protecting the, the, the assembly on a spiritual and magical level. So I'm out there putting myself out there energetically in different ways than other people might be doing as well. And, and, you know, that kind of plays into the politics of am I being too hawkish? Am I not being hawkish enough to break, you know, use the political term? This because brings up I, a fascinating question to me. I'm sorry? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, we're here. I was saying this brings up a fascinating question to me because so oftentimes, and I'm in this camp being a, a, an eclectic, mystic, pagan myself, I've been part of traditions before. And it's always the thing when you see it, whether it's on an online forum or online debate, about, oh, I don't think a coven would be good for me. Now, you're a high priestess of a coven. And I sometimes take the quote-unquote devil's advocate approach to say, I think it would be fascinating to be in a coven. I'm not in one. I've, I've only been in groups for short times. I think I would like to ask you about the value of being in coven because I think it would be a great bond and a very beautiful thing. And I was, I was wondering if you could share the value of that versus being just eclectic as myself is or by yourself. Well, I, and, you know, I, I've had a checkered past. I have been a member of a coven, which is not necessarily anything more than a member of a coven. I have been a solitary. I have right. been involved with dyanic groups. Um, and then I have gotten involved with a tradition and been a member, not just a member of a coven, but worked my way up through the coven to become a member of leadership. So there's a lot of different things at play for me here. Um, for a while, I found working as a solitary was very fulfilling. Right. For a while, I found working in a coven that was not affiliated with anybody was an awesome learning tool because I got to experience group dynamics and how things work. And then I became a member of not just a coven, but of a tradition. And there is a level of commitment, education, and interpersonal involvement that just multiplies when you do that. And that's not even getting into the concepts of 
should I be an initiate, shouldn't I be an initiate, and which is a whole other program for you to talk about. Right. Yeah, exactly, because then there's the right to self-identify, right? It's a huge debate in the witchcraft community, or at least it used to be more, um, about are you actually a witch, are you actually Wicca? I, I'm not trying to drag you into that, but I'm just saying there, there is that thing of self-initiation versus group initiation. Did somebody recognize you? Did somebody do this, do that? Um I personally am on the level, I'm a self-explorer and just had spiritual experiences and just kind of an eclectic mess. <laughs> but I do admit this is a part of my personality that almost would have liked to have been, you know, a part of some sort of tradition or thing. I've been in traditions before, but there's a part of my personality that finds that charming, both sides charming. Um, both, both individual and 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 group or tradition oriented. Now, <clears throat> I also want to give you this opportunity right now to plug anything that you might want to plug. I don't know if you have things that you are uh, out there, or if you want to plug something, uh, a website, or anything like that. Oh, goodness, I could plug lots of things. Personally, I am working with Philadelphia Pagan Pride this year, which is mm-hmm. on September the 3rd. I am leading the uh, opening ritual at Pagan Pride Day in Philadelphia, and I'll also be teaching a class on basic house warding. Uh, I frequently teach through Mount Airy Learning Tree, and I have a Learning to Read Tarot class. It is a several-week class there, though limit, space is limited. So I say if you want to come sit and have class with me, I'd love to have you. And from, a, from the assembly level, I would say I want to plug the New Alexandrian Library Project because our it's library It's a beautiful is library. I bet. It's, it's, it's up, it's running, we've had a soft opening, and I think it was one of the most important things that the Assembly could ever do is find a repository for all the wonderful esoteric knowledge that we have been able to accumulate from individuals like from Dion Fortune to complete collections of Blavatsky to, you know, what's going on currently today. I think it's an a beautiful awesome library. repository. And the building itself is incredible. So I would say, yes, there's all kinds of things I want to plug, and there's probably not enough time for me to plug them all. Yeah, we are. Not really. We're, we're starting to run out of time. <laughs> I wanted to thank you, though, Karen, for being with us. Well, thank you so much for the blessing for of being with us. Okay. And to sharing with us uh, the prayer circle that you had at the DNC, uh, as well as sharing your thoughts about the value of blessing. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yes. All right. Well, you've been listening to Main Street Universe. This is Karen uh, Bruin. And she's a high priestess. She did a blessing. It is so nice. A pagan blessing at the Democratic National, National Committee. Oh, I'm sorry. Com- convention. Sorry. Yeah. And and we're about to sign off here. That's why I'm stressing out a little because the buttons are not working right. But now they're about to work. So this you've is been listening to Main Street Universe, the show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. And I can imagine a lot. And we all can. Thank you and have a great evening, everyone. Have a great evening. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. And the song is spinning.